Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hey there. Hey, how are you? Can you see me? I can't see you, but I can hear you. Is that, I don't know what to do here. So that's, that's totally fine. Uh, the videos are just more for just sake of conversation. So that's totally fine. If audio oh, is all yeah, got I, that. I don't want you to speak to kind of like a black screen. That, Gee, that's yeah. all right. I, I taught middle school during the pandemic. So I can, uh, I can teach to black, talk to black screens all day long. At least, at oh, least I know okay. you'll talk back. <laughs> well, you know, I'm so, uh, you know, I really don't know too much about, uh, zoom the computer world in fact i'm the i don't have a cell phone oh wow so that must, uh, that must feel I, really freeing i have a landline so <laughs> i wish i could help you out well good afternoon how are you oh i am doing fantastic uh thank you so much for hanging out today on tpq20 i, I truly this is this is quite the honor i appreciate it um, we, we always like to start off by saying, uh, we know who you are, but for some of our audience, uh, they might be new to you. So if you were to give the bio that is not on the back of downtime or not, uh, with your publicist, uh, after all these years, who would you say you are? Well, I would say that I'm a com committed poet, uh, premier, and I've been of all the genres I've worked in all, all genres, you know, fiction, um, plays, essays, I did a libretto, I've done a couple movies, but at heart, really, I'm, I'm a poet, and that's what I would like uh, uh, your viewers, our viewers, to know, that, um, you know, at heart, I'm a poet. Mm. Where do you think the, poetry is always such a weird and subjective thing, and, and I always wonder, um, with authors who do kind of live in various genres, um, where do you think the line ends for poetry and becomes fiction or, you know, or nonfiction even? It becomes fiction when you purely start lying, okay? And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, uh, you know, there's embellishment in all, all poetry. I mean, it is called creative writing. Right. And so that you could, you know, most poets will take the, uh, is or her, uh, you know, sort of an autobiographical approach to the first, you know, poems, right. because there's a lot of pain in all of us. And we want us, you know, poetry, there is, uh, you know, it has a, has had an element of, uh, of, of grieving, an element of wanting to report to the world. And this is what uh, a lot of poets do, is that we were reporting to the world, even if this world is really small. And... Uh, I think that you know, I say, you know, after a while, I start lying. <laughs> then it becomes, uh, you know, I've done some persona poems where I, you know, assume the life of a, of a campesino, assume, assume the life of this person or that person. And then I, you know, it's a matter of uh, total invention, you know, <laughs> and uh, provided you can convince the reader that what he or she or they is reading is, you know, is convincing, you know. Right. Uh, uh, so, so you know, again, I you know, I started off as a poet in 1972. Right. I've been at it uh, 
you know, 51, 51 years. And uh, uh, it's uh, it's my calling, and I'm really proud of this genre. And I'm actually proud of all poets, uh, because, you know, what we're doing is trying to keep language fresh. Uh, if you look at, uh, you hear politicians speak, uh, man, the, it's like cliche city. You know, they uh, they have nothing new verbally to say. And it's just the, the same old, same old. And I think what poets do, you know, aside, you know, aside from that, uh, that inner stuff, uh, wanting to get it out on the page, is that we do keep language, you know, you know, interesting. And yeah. that's what I, I think uh, is, is my calling, is trying to keep it interesting. And not, you know, and, and I do risk things, you know, in, in keeping it interesting where, um, you know, I might say things in a poem that I may not say in, in public, you know. Right. Uh, I've been roasted before, so. <laughs> well, it, and I guess I, I think it, it's interesting, you know, talking with talking with writers who have had, you know, the similar longevity, like a Sander Cisneros I spoke with not too long ago, you know, the the idea of spanning decades, you know, do you think that there was, was there an easier time to write, uh, kind of, you know, to write, what you wanted to write or has that has it become do you i guess i guess a better way to phrase the question is was there a time where you felt more free as a writer than you do in today's world or do you feel like today is pretty open to write kind of what you what you always wanted to uh right now is a great moment in my literary uh saga if i can call it a saga <laughs> or, or really Beautiful story. I don't know what it is. Saga suggests like something really grand and big. Yeah. But it can be very beautiful. Uh, you know, Downtime, uh, my new book, uh, is, is really, uh, it allowed me to, to do more than what was necessary. And mm. by that, I mean, you know, during, during the pandemic last year, uh, a daylight savings time, I said, you know what? I'm going to, I told myself, and poets often talk to themselves. Uh, I'm going to write a hundred poems in a hundred days, mm. you know, and I, and I did, actually, I wrote 116 poems in a hundred nice. days. All right. Well, you know, it's at that freedom of knowing that some of these are going to be absolute clunkers. They're going to be, you know, uh, the stuff that uh, I'm looking at my fireplace that belong <laughs> in the fireplace, you know, and, um, but that's okay. You know, you're in the process of, uh, of creating something and, yeah. uh, so if I'm a baseball player and I have a, a hundred poems and I'm uh, and the collection is made up of forty eight poems, that's a good batting average. That is, you know, four eighty. You know, yeah. Uh, so I hit a lot of home runs, and I, I think there's maybe one or two poems, yeah, not uh, maybe they don't belong in the book, but they they gave me a lot of uh, joy, and. Nice. Uh, so enjoy is, you know, part of that, you know, I said, okay, I, maybe it's not a strong, strong poem, but I'd really like uh, what I'm saying in this, uh, this poem. Yeah, I had a, I had a professor at a Pacific University, Doyle Walls, um, who, who used to tell us that if we wrote a poem a day for a year, um, and all we had was one line from one poem to start the next year with, we had done our job. I kind of I've, I've always loved that that idea of that type of challenge and while I would I could never write a, I can't even imagine writing you know 350 something poems a year uh a hundred poems in a day a hundred poems in a hundred days sounds pretty pretty amazing so what is what is your process then for keeping that going 
You know, the, uh, um, the process is this. Uh, I think that uh, uh, we need to really uh, look at other people's work. And actually, and I'm, I'm a great admirer of Sandra Cisneros. I think she's beyond pioneering. I think oh. she's, uh, she has great strengths. Absolutely. You know, we have pioneering you know, writers, and, uh, but then, you know, you go beyond that. But I think that in the morning I will look at a, a, a book of poems or line and uh, uh, and that kind of, well actually novels you know I'm reading a novel and I, I'll find a line that kind of like you know I hate to use the word inspires but that's yeah. what what it is yeah and so then it kind of gets to gets me going and it's not a matter of plagiarism it's not a matter of stealing but it's just it's just another evidence that other writers from my generation uh previous generations they do they do do something to us oh yeah there's such an impact made uh, absolutely and every in every generation of, of poets has has kind of that classic group that comes up together and it's always it's always really fun to see that um who were for you i guess who were the contemporaries for you that you kind of loved watching their growth as well uh I don't know if uh, the word growth is really I mean, for my <laughs> well, generation. Maybe their uh, journey. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I have a, a friends like uh, Christopher Buckley, who is an editor of my work, uh, and he's looked at almost every poem. And uh, you know, he's very opinionated, very hard, and he's uh, very hard on me. And uh, but that that hardness, that direct uh, criticism is what allows me to really improve my work. Mm. And I, I don't think anyone works alone. So right. if I look at, uh, you know, Christopher Buckley, his, his, uh, he's a poet of my generation. We went to, got our MFAs at the same time from Irvine, 1976. Uh, uh, you know, they're steady. There's a lot of poets from uh, my generation that were steady and they keep going. Uh, yeah. Philip Schultz in New York, um, Gary Young, uh, uh, printer, really very uh, fine mm. press printer, translator, poet. We're still at it, you know, and I don't think, sometimes I think, well, you know, maybe I ought to just uh, put my pencil and my crayons away and just, you know, do something else. But it doesn't seem, uh, it's, it's not wise. You know, right. let's, let's keep going. Let's keep see how this moves on. <laughs> And uh, I mentioned other, I would mention other poets who I admire, but uh, and also see that they're writing, you know, after fifty years. But uh, right. some of them uh, don't like me, so I won't I won't mention their names. But you know, I still I still honor them. They're they're at it, and I think uh, you know we should, uh, you know, you know this is just marvelous. Oh, Martinez Father is another example. Mm, yes, you know he's just he's been at this thing for. A very long time and with success and yeah. with a, a fan base a reader uh base and uh, accolades that come along with writing good poetry i do i do love the idea of uh i mean today's today's world i think that the twitter the twitter poetry world is so full of you know it's full of amazing words but also it's full of a lot of drama it's uh it's I don't know, almost comforting to hear that there was still a lot of drama uh, with, with your contemporary group. If there are poets who don't like you, I think that's a, <laughs> that's a fascinating, it's, it's, it's always interesting to hear like the, you know, well, there's been drama amongst writers and artists of all types. 
Well, here's here's an example. I, you know, I you know I mouthed off years ago. If you're Mexican American or Chicano and you don't have enemies, then you're not really Mexican. You're not really Chicano. And the thing is that you have you create these things. You create yeah. your own uh, um, uh, persona, and uh, and I have. And um, for instance, I said a line like, "I'm the first Mexican American to write in complete sentences." You know, and that gets people kind of upset. They go, and Sandra Cisneros is the second person to write in complete sentences. So, you know, but you know, that's that's our, um, if you know poets, I read all, all sorts of biographies of poets and writers, and you know, we're it's we're a we're a, we're a crazy group. <laughs> so. That's awesome. So, uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about baseball. So, uh, what's your favorite baseball story? Do you have like a like a moment? Story. You have a moment uh, as a, as either as either a player or a fan. Well, the uh, as a player, a player is that I'm not very. I was not very athletic, even though I loved playing. You know, I would get a, a an A in playing. In fact, I played so much when I was a kid that I would come home with my legs aching because uh, my mom would rub, rub them with alcohol. Just to make them, you know, make them to soothe that pain. Right. And I just, I didn't have, there was, I didn't have any sense to stop. This is not good for you. You know, I, I, she'd kick us out of the house at eight in the morning and we'd come back at five yep. and uh, hungry. And uh, I was thin as a rail. So the, the thing is, is that I love baseball, but I could never get on base. And the only time <laughs> I ever got on base was when the, a ball hit me, you know, and then I got to first base. And I felt like there was something, wow, this is cool. Uh, this, so this is what it feels like to be on first base. I think it's kind of like, a, it's, 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 I, I think you can kind of equate that to submitting uh, submitting drafts to places and kind of those, you know, the rejection after rejection after rejection. And then finally you get a hit somewhere. Yeah. yeah you know. I, would, I would say so. I would say so. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I go to uh, the Giants. I, I live in the Bay Area, so I see the Giants maybe once a year or twice a year. Oh man, I'm a diehard Dodger fan. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's it, it, uh, the Dodgers actually are one of my favorite teams as well. Oh, good. But, uh, you know, I, I think the whole uh, uh, culture, this uh, this world, the baseball world, uh, I think it's fascinating. Yeah. And. Um, Football, not so much for me. I think it's, uh, you know, look at it. I think it's pretty, pretty violent. And, it's, uh, physically it's a, yeah, it's it's fascinating to see kind of the, the 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 way that the leagues change and modify to deal with, like, to deal with concussion protocols or to deal with, uh, you know, um, I, I always love watching baseball try and fix uh, the length of games by adding pitch clocks or now that they've put in the permanent sec, you know, runner on second for extra innings. That's right. It's it, you know, I definitely for from a baseball fan perspective, it takes away from so much of the purity of the game. Um, Football is football is one of those odd ones. I used to love watching football, but I don't watch it quite as much anymore. And I don't think it's a a violence thing. I think it's just for some reason it doesn't sit as well with me anymore as uh, you know, I'm a huge Dodger fan. I don't miss any Dodger games. I think there's a I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the uh, the difference is in, in fan perspective of pastimes. It's a it's a fascinating subject matter. Um, I'm really always interested in the idea of promotion. 
what's different for you today you know in 2023 than in the 19 late 1970s and 1980s how do you think that that authors uh stay relevant in in today's world uh, <clears throat> i'm not sure if i can really answer that question you know i i mentioned um you know, I don't have a cell phone, for instance. Uh, uh, Facebook, I don't have. Instagram, actually, uh, I think you might have visited my site. It was yeah. it was it was only a, a week week old when you uh, right. You know, you connected with my my site, and a uh, very delightful uh, young woman, uh, Elizabeth Rojas, who's from Fresno. She said, "Gary, you got to get on Instagram." I said, okay, well, help me out. And she did. Um, I think there's that self-promotion that uh, has to happen, even right. though I'm kind of reluctant to do it. Uh, by nature, we're, my wife and I are very private. We don't, uh, we don't, we go to a lot of uh, events, cultural events where we used right. to pre-pandemic, but uh, yeah. kind of like staying home a lot. And that is that attitude of staying home doesn't allow you to, uh, to sort of promote yourself, hmm. and uh, and my promotion is really different because it 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 goes into the educational world, right? It's different from the poetry world, uh, since I've written a lot of children's work, uh, picture books, chapter novels, right. middle grade novels, YA novels, plays for youth. You know, that's a kind of a different realm that uh, most poets are not familiar with. Was that for you? Was that a was that kind of by choice at all, or did you just find that? I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I grew up reading your work. Um, I actually reviewed one of your books on Reading Rainbow. Uh, oh, right. oh, thank you. <laughs> I wish I, I was trying to, I went through all my parents' VHS tapes, but I cannot find it for the life of me. I, I would have loved to have, have had it ready to go. But it's, it's it, promotion is such a weird, a weird thing in today's, in today's world. And I, I, the, the idea that, I'm fascinated uh, with the with the education sense of things, especially as a teacher. But, you know, was it kind of by choice that that you knew your books were going to kind of tend that direction? Yes, I uh, 1985, I wrote a book called Living Up the Street, which is a narrative book about growing up in Fresno. It's, you know, going back to that, uh, you know, touching upon your autobiographical past. And right. I did this in prose version of sort of retracing uh, some of the uh, steps in Fresno, literally the steps in Fresno. And then uh, it was a small commercial press uh, that uh, failed to, to ever pay me. You know, the, the good publisher, I won't mention, but you know, the kitty cat would get ill and uh, well, we couldn't pay you this, you know, we had to spend a thousand dollars on uh, Fluffy. And uh, so and, uh, finally I got the rights back and I published it with uh, a big publisher, Adele, Mm -hmm. And the thing just took off. And uh, and that's the same year, this 1990 baseball in April came out for middle grade uh, readers. And it, it took off. But, you know, with baseball in April, what I purposely did was I wanted uh, Mexican-American readership. Mm -hmm. I wanted Mexican-American characters, wholly Mexican-American characters. Right. And so, but the New York, uh, the larger publishers couldn't quite understand uh, this group of people. And I said, well, the only ones I know are Mexican-American people. So I said, I don't know why you don't know them. 
And uh, it was rejected all over, including Farrar, Strauss, Drew. And one of the editors said, we made a mistake. And I said, yes, you did. Wow. And they made a, a big time mistake in that the, the book ended up selling, I think, 900,000 copies. Wow. 900,000 copies. And this is over a, a long, you know, long period from 1990 right. to but, you know, a single book selling that much, that many copies is unheard of. Yeah. And so I didn't you know, do it so for the promotional sake. I really wanted uh, to build a readership. It was kind of a political act. I yeah. said, why aren't you guys pu publishing Mexican-American uh, authors? Uh, you know, I didn't know anyone to, uh, uh, to ask that question. I just asked that question in my heart until I met someone from Scholastic. Mm. Uh, and... Um, she, you know, was kind of interested in the book. And I go, well, well, you know, what do we do here? And subsequently, well, she she suggested uh, Hoofton Mifflin Harcourt, which actually was HBA, uh, uh, Harcourt, Jovanovich, and I forget the name. Oh, but I, did anyhow, not, I did not. I only have, in 20 years have known them as HMH. That's fascinating. They, they didn't know what to do with it. They said, you know, this is very interesting. For one, the genre of uh, short stories for youth, unheard of. Right. And then secondly, uh, Mexican-Americans, also unheard of. Third is that uh, it was set in Fresno. And I go, well, you know, this thing's just going to have a regional appeal. And it didn't. You know, it, would just, it just broke the door down. Uh, I mean, so it's been translated into... Uh, Italian, Japanese, uh, French, uh, Hindi, uh, Korean, uh, what's the other language? Uh, uh, Spanish, of course. So it's like six different languages, and it went beyond ah. anyone's expectations. Um, That's incredible. So, you know, it, it was kind of a political act, you know, you know, how to steer the ship, the big publishing ship, in another direction. And... Uh, um, subsequently, you know, you know, I published other books with uh, Hoof to Mifflin Harcourt. Actually, I think sixteen books with them. Wow, oh, what an incredible journey! Um, as we kind of shift toward the end here, uh, with with downtime, uh, what what next? Now we have downtime coming out or out. Uh, what what is next for you? Where where is your journey taking you now? Ah, oh, boy, this is, uh, you know, I've written plays and musicals, and I really like that uh, literary form. Hmm. Uh, I wrote, wrote a musical uh, called In and Out of Shadows, okay. um, and it's about undocumented youth, uh, and it was played to uh, standing room crowds here in San Francisco. It went on little short tours to community colleges. But we could never really uh, muster up the the uh, wherewithal to take it to another level, you know, where yeah. it's kind of like uh, Hamilton, Ooh. you know. And uh, Hamilton's, you know, I've not seen it, but uh, my daughter has seen it. She admires it. P people admire it. But I think it, it could have gone in that direction. Oh. But we didn't know how, how to do it, you know. And I, I have a very skilled uh, producer. So we did then a play uh, on teen murder, teen suicide called The Afterlife. Okay. Equally successful, except the pandemic hit. And right. then with that, uh, you know, I think all the playwrights, you know, just it was really a bad time. Very bad time. 
So I, I want to do more plays. I have a new uh, middle grade uh, novel coming out. Certainly um, uh, PG. Uh, <laughs> it's called Puppy Love, and it sounds the way it sounds. Really awesome. uh, wholesome, clean. You know, in fact, I'm kind of uh, I'm not embarrassed by it, but it just uh, where everybody has is really kind of a twisty turns that are kind of dark and uh, right. edgy. Mine is just. Uh, I don't want to describe it this way, but it is boy meets girl, you know, story <laughs> involving puppies. So I want to do that. And um, I'm writing, a, what am I writing right now? I'm writing a new uh, a novel for middle grade kids. Uh, yeah. And uh, some new poems and some other things as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been an absolute honor and a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, I truly appreciate it. And I look forward to uh, to helping spread the world about downtime. Um, downtime, yes. Ah, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, okay, I well, thank you very much. In touch. Yes. Yeah. All right. You take care. Have a good Have evening. A good night. Okay. You as well. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.